This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Really good stuff happens. We have we have some really good news and some exclusive news for you on two fronts. First of all, on the Nazarene Fund, we have some exciting news to announce today about three different countries that are now taking um, our our Nazarene victims, the ones who are being persecuted by ISIS, and we can tell you of one country and. Thank this one country for already taking, I believe, 256 families already um, over the last couple of days. And Mercury One, I think, wrote a check for, I don't know, a quarter of a million or half a million dollars just for airfare alone to this country uh, over the weekend to get these people out of harm's way from ISIS. We'll give you the full details on that. You are rescuing people in the Middle East and an exclusive story on Micah X. Micah is, um, is the shooter in Dallas. The family has done no interviews. They, they don't want to speak to any members of the press. However, Micah's mother happened to see Lawrence Jones from The Blaze on TV. I think it was on Friday. And she said, now that boy I would talk to. We, we got together Sunday and talked to Lawrence because this is not what he does. He doesn't, he's not 60 minutes. He's not a journalist. He's a commentator. And he's how old are you? 23. 23 years old. We talked to him yesterday and prepared him and tried to say this is what you can expect. And, you know, he went over some of the questions he wanted to ask. And he has the only interview with the family, not only the mother... But the father and the stepmother, the stepmother, did we even know this in advance, is white. And what she had to say about the shooter and his relationship to race and also the relationship and what happened in the uh, military and that he was a big constitutionalist until he went into the military. Then he came back more of a Black Lives Matter kind of mentality. We're going to be playing clips of this over the next couple of days. I have not heard the whole interview myself yet. It was 90 minutes and happened late last night. Uh, But we have some clips today and a full special on a Blaze exclusive coming up later this week. Lawrence is here to tell us about the experience and what he learned about the shooter in Dallas last night right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mm. 
Uh, looks like Pandora is has introduced itself into the Black Lives Matter family. We think uh, the Dallas police has just said um, we urge those who support law enforcement to delete Pandora. Uh, they came out and said they are for uh, ra- uh, racial justice and they support Black Lives Matter. We'll find out more about that coming up in a second. We are a country that is severely divided and we're not listening um, to each other. Uh, Lawrence Jones is uh, Lawrence Jones is here, and this story in uh, Dallas is is disturbing on a couple of fronts that we want to we want to go through, um, and it also has really hopeful things in it. We saw some Black Lives Matter people that actually started to say good things about the police because the police were protecting them and saving their lives, and and it doesn't seem to be the hatred that we're seeing in other cities. Over the weekend, uh, Lawrence Jones, who works with us, um, uh, was asked by the family to come in and do the only interview. Now, the Today Show is literally camped out in front of their house. There's like 11 big journalists that are literally camped out in front of the house. Um, And Lawrence got a call from his mother uh, who was Facebook friended by the shooter's mother's friend because the shooter's mother and her friend were watching television and saw Lawrence and said, I'll talk to that guy. And she said, well, I happen to know his mom. So contacted his mom. His mom called him and said, the shooter's mom wants to talk to you. Um, and it was a very dicey thing because they didn't, they didn't want to talk to any members of the press. But Lawrence, I think she felt, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you were, you were somebody who was going to go in and listen and let her tell her side of the story. Is that correct? That's correct, because I didn't call her. Right. Even when she reached out initially, I didn't call her again to say, can you do this time? I waited for her to call me back. There was a certain part of me that didn't even want to touch it because I'm not a journalist. I'm a commentator. Right. Um, You're going to get slaughtered if you ask too hard of questions or you mm, didn't ask the hard questions. And I expected that. Yeah. I expect that. But I wanted to ask questions just as an average day person and get some tough questions in there, but also some questions that would bring healing to the country, not inflame more um, race riots or anything like that. What was it like when you first walked in to the house? Um, I've been told yeah. by somebody who was with you, um, I was told that it was the most middle of America house and family mm-hmm. you can picture. It mm-hmm. was just slice of America house. Mm-hmm. True? A mixed family. Yep, true. Um, and they just had the memorial service at 2 p.m., I did the interview at 5 p.m. And so the mood of the place. They had it at the house. They had it at the house. It was, it was so tight for me that I literally fell to my knees and prayed right there. Because it was either Lawrence is going to get this interview to share with the nation, to bring healing and to maybe potentially stop this from happening again, bring in some understanding, or there's no interview for anybody, 
to discuss what happened. They said no. When you first walked in, they changed their mind, right? They changed their mind because the camera scared them, the lights. All of this scared them. And I didn't know how to respond but with prayer. Um, And I told them, I sat at the dinner table as our camera crew prepared, and I said, there's going to be some tough questions. And I and I phrased it this way. I said, if I don't ask you these tough questions, then the media is never going to leave you alone at your door. This is your opportunity to respond. I told them, I don't know what happened. I was there on the scene, but it was much, it was after some things had cleared up. So I don't just know. Tell me if you covered, because let me just cover some yeah. of the things that mm-hmm. I'm interested in knowing. Bomb making materials all over the house. Yeah. Told. Did you cover that? I covered that. And I... Okay. Um, did you cover um, um, the gun and mm-hmm. did you cover his possible sexual abuse, dishonorable discharge? In the military, the military. cover that. Um, did you cover Nation of Islam? Cover that. Okay. So let's go, through, let's go through some of it. Do you know the clips that Pat has? I don't, I don't. Do you know which clips he has? I, I just got the bomb-making clip. Do you, should we start? Yeah, see if we have that's that. that's a good one. All right. Now this when the police is, so you came know, here, they is, found bomb-making. Go ahead. <clears throat> they found bomb-making materials. This is what the story is. They found bomb-making materials in the house. Do we know what those were from the police? So I, I think we should play this okay. clip because right. it explains. All right. When the police came here, they found bomb-making materials um, in his room. Um, <clears throat> and many of them are questioning you guys as parents and so I want you the opportunity to respond to the Did he have a bomb factory in his room? You know I didn't go in there to see Um, He did not (laughs) (laughs) But I We think that's preposterous Everybody has bomb making materials in their homes If you look online you can figure out how to make a bomb with Mm -hmm. the materials you have at home Mm -hmm. Whatever the boys in Boston made theirs at home, but mm. everybody has bomb making materials. Mm-hmm. My son, I have soda and I have ammonia and I have and whatever all the ingredients are. I, mm-hmm. You can look and find it. He um, he was all about making things himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he he had guns. Yes. Mm-hmm. My son would go to Mississippi, and that's where he would shoot. In Mississippi, where it's okay out in the country on your mm-hmm. own property, you know, you mm-hmm. can shoot your guns. Mm-hmm. Um, he liked it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he had material in there to to make whatever he do to to mm-hmm. shoot his gun, sure. Was that bomb making material? If it was, I didn't know. I don't believe it, and I don't believe. It. Okay, so. In other words, what she's kind of saying is he's probably a reloader of his own ammunition. Now, getting that impression, mm-hmm. you know, he had the things to make. He liked making things himself. Mm-hmm. He Is that the impression she, you... Yeah, so later in the interview, she talks about that he likes to make things, and he was always taking things apart. Um, he had a lot of guns. And what I got from that point, and, like, I want to make it very clear to our viewers that I'm a commentator. This is not what I do. But I wanted to make sure that tough question was asked. She said that she was in disbelief of it. 
Um, but she also said she never really went in. She never w- really went in his room. the one who said he never went in? Uh, 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 I don't know. I never went in. And then the other one said, "I'm." Uh, he didn't do that. That's the guy. That's the stepmother. The stepmother. She's she the also, white mother. Right. She's also said that it was bomb material that many people would have. And what she meant by that is that it was a lot of bleach, ammonia, and Why things. would you have that in your A lot of fertilizer. I, a lot of I, I keep household yeah. products of in the room. In you wouldn't necessarily have that in your room. I would understand right. if they took it yeah. from underneath the kitchen right. sink, but not in the room. Right. Here's, here's one thing, because I have, we've talked last night after mm. the interview, late mm. at night, and then, um, and then we've talked this morning. Mm. I have not heard the interview myself, mm. but I get the impression that the uh, stepmother, mm. who is white, was the staunchest defender of him. It was very surprising because of the race things that were said right. um, and some of the reports that we heard. She defended him. She was adamant. She even said, our son was not racist. She said they had funny nicknames that they would call. She was adamant that what was being reported was not true about her Did son. They- but mm-hmm. you mean that are they, wait, so are they saying responsible or does that, that just they, some of the details around they, it? They said that he was responsible. She wanted to be very clear that they he think, shot. Okay, so they, they, they're, they're admitting he's guilty. They're not, they're not one of these. They're, they're admitting that he was guilty. But as far as the personality of him as being a racist and mm. hating people. Well, where, they said where did that, that come from then that he shot five, that he shot 12 oh, police officers? So, and, and there's another clip on this. They separated his life between when he entered the military and when he left the military. Um, when he entered the military... Yeah, we have that. Okay, let's, you let's hear that. Go ahead. His reasoning is he loved his country. He wanted to protect his country. He, he, he believed in the government. Hmm. He believed that they were telling the truth, that it was... That they were right, that they were good. Did that change when he joined the military? <laughs> it changed very much so. Um, yeah, it really changed. And then he went to <laughs> Afghanistan. And I mean, he was different when he came back from just the training. Um, this white mom or black mom? Black mom. You know, when he came back from Afghanistan where Michael was outgoing and had friends and they would go out and I would have to tell him you would need to come home at night or let me know where you're going. To, to he, he was here at the house or, you know, wherever he was, he was by himself. He didn't go out a lot. He, 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 he was not a drinker. He did not drink um, alcoholic beverages. Did he start to drink afterwards? No, he actually did- stopped when he came back here. He he stopped, um, like he said, he was all about natural and making sure that, you know, his body was healthy, he stayed, he exercised, he stayed in shape, um, but he was just almost did he a ever, hermit. Did he ever talk about any of his experiences in the military that maybe made you question that something happened? Was it the war? Or? I don't I don't remember anything about it. He just, the military was not what Micah thought it would be. It disappointed him. He, he was very disappointed, um, very disappointed. Um, but it may be that he 
the ideal that he thought of our government, of what he thought the military represented. It just didn't live up to his expectation. Did he ever talk about anything specific that he saw no. that, that made him? He, he still didn't want to talk about he, it. He, he didn't talk about it. He tried to get... When he came back with the VA, he tried and tried and filled out forms and went to meetings for all of them to to help him with the things. And, you know, he, he hurt his back and he tried. There's letters upon letters and filled this out and you had to come to disappointment and I'm sorry about this. And he just finally gave up. Um, he, he, from what I understand, they... He was a big constitutionalist coming into the military. That was her quote. And left um, looking up his African history, not just his family history, but what had happened to blacks in mm-hmm. America. So he came back a completely different man. We'll talk about that. And, and also Nation of Islam when we come back. And now this. Children share a lot of personal information online. ID thieves know it, and they target kids who aren't cautious about what they share on the Internet. Getting your child's name, address, social security number, any other personal information gives criminals a lot to work with. Make sure you discuss this with your kids. Um, personal information. I saw, it, I saw it at 4th of July with my daughter standing at the fence with somebody. She told somebody where we live, where we were visiting from, all of it, innocently, innocently. Kids don't know. Um, identity theft is America's fastest growing crime. That's why we have LifeLock, and so should you. LifeLock uh, scans hundreds of millions of transactions every second, but here's what they do. Besides scanning them and then alerting you, hey, you might have a problem, they alert you, they'll send you an alert, and if you do have a problem, a U.S.-based agent will work to fix it. That's different than anybody else. Now, nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is the best identity theft protection available, and memberships start at $9.99 a month, plus your sales tax. So go to LifeLock.com, 1-800-440-4936. Use the promo code BECK, get 10% off your LifeLock Ultimate Plus membership, 1-800-440-4936. Promo code BECK at 1-800-440-4936. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Eight seven two seven back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Back with Lawrence Jones from the uh, Blaze. We have an exclusive story up on the Blaze, and it's going to be coming out. And the full interview, I think, is going to be released on the Blaze TV Wednesday. on Wednesday. Um, but uh, Lawrence was called by the family of the shooter, and they said, "Would you come and interview us? 
We don't want to do any press. We don't care if it's Oprah or anybody else. We're not going to do any press. Lawrence is not a journalist, and he's, you know, he's, that's not what he does for a living. But he went and he talked to them and listened to them last night. And so it's a very different and interesting interview. I've not heard all of it myself, but we just played a a little bit here about when he went into the military. Mm -hmm. And she said he was big into the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So that could lead people to say, oh, well, so he was a right-wing nut. But then he... He, when he got out of the military, that's not who he was at all. No. Uh, she made it very clear that when he joined the military, which she was very opposed to, the family did not want him to join, to join the military, but they have a family of military. After that, then, after he entered the military, he said the military wasn't about the Constitution that the leaders of the military, as well as the government, he talked. she talked about the president and mm-hmm. other people, were very bad. And she said, Micah hated liars, and even as a little boy. And he felt like they were all liars. Then he came back and so he, he starts coming into the Black Lives Matter stuff? So he leaves, he hates what happened, and he starts exploring African-American history. And that's when he starts to get into the culture of police brutality, what is happening, the oppression of black people, and that concerned him. Okay, so when we come back, we'll go down that, because um, you did ask them, so did he hate white people? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we go there next. A Blaze exclusive, you can find it at theblaze.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Welcome to the program with Lawrence Jones, who met with the family uh, of the shooter in Dallas yesterday. Mm-hmm. Stu was saying, this is, this is just a, a baseline. Nobody has talked to this family except for police. It's a foundational interview for the story. Like, yeah. you, you know, when something like this happens, we have no idea what, what their opinion is. You go in there and you get as much information as you can. And you set a baseline and a foundation. So we have things to even follow up on. Mm-hmm. We have directions to go to chase the story. Up to this point, we knew nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now at TheBlaze.com, we have the, the exclusive interview. You have the beginnings of this coming out, and it's going to air on Wednesday in, in its mm-hmm. entirety. But, I mean, you have to have that. You can't, it, we, you know, you're starting from ground zero with something like this. And, and for that reason, Glenn, I expect to be criticized. That's fine. But I wanted the story to get out. Yeah. I wanted them the opportunity. And you didn't go chase this story. This, they called you. Came to me. Yeah. Even when they reached out the first time, I didn't call them. I waited for her to call me back. When she was ready, she was going to call me. That's what happened. So um, we were talking here a minute ago. He went, the son went into, so we had set the scene. The father was there. Mm-hmm. The mother was there. Mm-hmm. The father and mother are divorced. Mm-hmm. But the father remarried a white woman. Mm-hmm. And they've been married for a long time. 16 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they 
they all three parented uh, Micah. Mm-hmm. Um, Very close. Yeah, like the, there's Very no close. hassle between the... Who had custody? The, the, the mom and dad or the, the mom, I think they had... The mom definitely had custody. The dad was very oh, okay. adamant about saying that toward recently, him and his son became very close. And one of the conversations they had was police brutality. And his, his dad was like, you can't, you can't hate all cops. You can't let this get you so worked up. And she said... The dad said, Michael would get so worked up about this, especially after he saw the BET speech um, this past couple weeks. What's the BET speech? Uh, with Jesse, um, I forgot his name, who, who's an actor. Um, you know that? Uh, Jesse. Have you heard that speech? Yeah, I think it's, yeah it I was a story. Name, a couple, yeah, a couple anyway, acceptance speech. That is, that, uh, talking about the movement and all that. And he said, son, we I... should play that. We should listen to that because yeah. that's... That seems to be a key here. That's the first. And that was that, that speech went viral. And he said, son, there's some things that I agree with that speech, but there's some things that I disagree. And he talked him down and, you know, um, had that conversation with him. And he was like, dad, I just disagree. And even talked to his stepmom about it. And she agreed that, son, there are some injustices. And she continued to say, I agree with Mike. I understand his frustration. But we told him that he can't have hate toward them. And Michael, Michael wasn't a hateful person. Um, and they wanted that to be clear. And I even asked her a question, because this is key to this whole story. Did Micah hate white people? Here's what they said. Just you, Mr. Johnson, I just want to talk a little bit about you guys' family dynamic. <laughs> Um, because it's no surprise. It's, it's, it was a surprise when I walked here because a lot of the thing that's been reported was Micah's hate for white people, and you're his mother and his stepmother, and you've been very emotional ever since I walked in the door, and it's clear that you loved him. And he loved me. He did not hate white people. He loved my family. He had friends of oh, all boy. shapes and sizes and colors. He's, we just, we didn't see that in one another. It was, mm-hmm. it was a deep, abiding love. He is a, he was a great kid. Very respectful. His mom taught him to say yes ma'am and he always did and I grew up in California you know it's a southern Mm -hmm. thing so (laughs) I said you don't have to say that but he still did and he sometimes slipped and called me Miss Donna you know know, we played we chased we there was a time he didn't want me to kiss him Probably been around the same time with me, yeah. (laughs) He was, I think, middle school age. Yeah. uh, I would chase him around the house. Until you got him. Until I got him. So so stop here. I mean, we're seeing... Yeah, this is, I mean, this family seemed to be completely taken by surprise by his actions. They were clueless to what was happening. And she even said, I didn't go in his room. I didn't go in his room. I didn't know what was in that room. And I asked her at one point as well, after this, 
is there any clues that you saw? Is, is there something... Even in retrospect. ...different that you would have done? And I know that was tough because who wants to ask that question to a mother who's yeah, just had the memorial service that day? And she says, she pauses. She's like, there's nothing I could do. There is nothing that I could have done. And she was very... I can tell that it hurt her, me asking that question. Here is a guy who is raised in a family. A blended family. A blended family where dad has married a white woman. They go to family reunions with the white family. And yet he goes out and shoots white cops for black justice. I mean, it's some, something is really I, wrong here. I ask her, did he hate white people? And her response was, he hated injustice. And I think that's a conversation that... I'm wondering if this is the Bubba effect. Mm. The Bubba effect is... The Bubba effect is the government isn't doing its job. There is no such thing as justice. They're not obeying their own rules. They're not who they say they are. They're lying to us. And we're not going to get anywhere with these liars. He hated liars. She continued to say that. Yeah, I mean, this sounds to me almost like the Bubba effect more than anything else. And I think there's an interesting dynamic here, and listening to this kind of plays into it, in that, like, a lot of times because it's called Black Lives Matter, people Mm -hmm. talk about it as being anti-white people. Mm -hmm. We're in, it seems like it's anti-police, to be more specific, including yeah. black police, and they, who are constantly the victims of being hit in the head by I rocks. I tell you, I have a other things. I have a, a slightly different take on Black Lives Matter since the shooting here in Dallas. Because uh, were you guys in town during the shooting? No. Okay. So there was a lot of things that broke here in town that I don't know if they broke nationally, where. A lot of the people and 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 Ellen and uh, Lawrence were there on the streets while the shooting was going on, um, and they met a lot of people that were Black Lives Matter. And about half of them were were not anti-white, were not kill the police. Mm-hmm. Um, it it oh, was yeah. a different. It was a different attitude. It was also a debate between the protesters right. that we played Friday, where one was saying. Why isn't this same attention? I'm marching here, but I think we should be marching for the black-on-black crime. Yeah. And yes. there was right. a debate. And there were black people they here started in, a, the in, debate. in Dallas. It was a different debate here in Dallas. It was much more reasoned here in Dallas that makes you go, okay, now wait a minute, wait a minute. I can talk to these people. I, th- this is not the same just, you know, kill the, you know, cops or pigs. That I can't talk to. There's no reason there. Mm-hmm. But this was different here. Right. And there's always been a split within these organizations, yes. right? There's always been good people that, you know, that aren't doing, and they really care about injustice and aren't being violent towards police officers. Talking about, the, there are those elements, though, of these groups every oh, single yeah, I know. time. Um, and we ought to be careful, all of us, of course, there's a separation. be careful to, to separate. I think the big mentioning. problem is the leadership in these organizations. It's more of the leadership than the actual day-to-day people marching in the street. The leaders are after the fame and fortune, and they plant seeds. And some of them are even white anarchists that 
I've seen in Chicago that I've, when I've went to Ferguson, Baltimore, I've been on the ground in all of these situations and brought this cover to the blaze. There is a difference between the people day to day that have a problem and the leadership. There's a difference between Democrats in the rest of the country mm-hmm. and those who are on the progressive caucus, mm-hmm. a radical difference. Mm-hmm. It's not all of them. You know, there are radical progressives around the country, but it's not the same makeup as it is in Washington, D.C. There are those people who uh, are Mitch McConnell and will enrich themselves or only in it for the, you know, whatever. And then there are, there are Republicans who are not like that, you know, and we don't separate them enough. Real quick, and then we'll pick it up again tomorrow because uh, there's some really interesting things that I've seen on the list. I have not heard the audio yet, but can we can we talk a little bit about uh, the Nation of Islam? Because that came out early that he was a member of the Nation of Islam. She said no. She was. They laughed. They were like, "Why do they keep?" And the reason why they were laughing was that they they made it very clear they hate the media, and they were tired of people putting that up. And she was very upset about them taking pictures off of his Facebook page. She, she didn't want to open the you know, photo album of him. She said, no, he was a believer. And there was a certain amount of empathy for me because I'm a preacher's kid, and she was a preacher. And she was like, no, I didn't raise my son like that. I didn't, no, no, that's not. No, we well, a lot of Christians didn't raise their right, their right, right. To be children, at right. Stevens, right. Yeah. but yeah. I think right. there was still a matter of her still coping and trying to process that. Yeah. That's not the son that I raised. Like well, a, it wasn't the son that raised it, but, the trigger on cops. Either. Right. Yeah. You no, exactly. It was, and I, and I'm not saying that right. this is a a sign of it, um, or you know that this is proof. Right. But the fact that he came back and he stopped drinking mm-hmm. and started going down that 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 would lead him uh that 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 is an earmark of that kind of philosophy was it his facebook page that got people believing he was part of the nation of islam um it was a picture of of i guess a louis farrakhan thing that was on his page that he had posted and him putting up the black power sign um that really got a lot of people speculating on and like i said could have just liked some of the things Farrakhan said. Right. Well, I have to ask her that question. Yeah. You know, because I, I just want people to understand that I asked some questions that I knew there was going to be tough, but it was, I just wanted the response for the record that mm-hmm. I gave her the opportunity. These are the allegations. What is your response? Tomorrow we'll get into something really fascinating that I think will lead to an all show discussion, and that is. Um, they could get his fingerprints, but there wasn't enough of the body to even do a toxology report. They blew him up. Amazing. And she yes. had quite a lot to say about that. She was livid. And we will get into that tomorrow. And this started a massive discussion before we got on the air today. <laughs> um, you know, both good and bad. There's a lot there that we should talk about, and that'll be on tomorrow's broadcast. Lawrence, thank you so much. And by the way, you can read and listen to the entire clips of uh, what we played today and uh, some additional stuff at theblaze.com. It's an exclusive today, and we'll have this tomorrow and Wednesday and then Wednesday night only on The Blaze TV. If you're not a subscriber, cost you a buck. 
subscribe now to the Blaze TV. In fact, you can try it free for, I think, 10 days at theblaze.com slash TV. Sign up now. Um, I'm not sure what we're doing on today's show at 5 o'clock, but Lawrence may also have an extra clip for us or two tonight on today's show. Uh, And now this. Nothing to fear if you take the time to be prepared. My Patriot Supply has the food now that you need to take care of your family no matter what happens. And if you call now and mention my name, they're going to send you a four-week food supply for $99. That's 54% off the regular price. Uh, It's an astonishing amount of food. It lasts up to 25 years. Um, That is four weeks of food, four weeks of food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, drinks, everything else. All you need to add is water. For for $99, it's an unheard of price. Limit two per caller or customer. So call 1-800-200-7163, 800-200-7163. Or you can go to preparewithglenn.com, save 54%. It's a $99 deal right now. Four weeks of food, $99, 800-200-7163, or preparewithglenn.com. Glenn Beck program. Yeah. Well, we we now have some information um, on the uh, shooter in Dallas. Uh, one of the motivations was a big BET speech that he saw that went viral. Uh, that's kind of a big piece of news for the media, if they care to cover that. Um, tonight, you know it, they don't. You no, know they I don't. Oh, oh definitely yeah. not. No, it's not something. Um, it's about. it's it is um, interesting to me. We've been talking about the difference between Dallas and all the other places, and I think part of that is. Because journalists here in Dallas, and I know the Blaze did, we went and we looked for the good stories. We went and looked for the people who had changed their mind or said, who were, you know, starting to hug the police and and the blacks and the whites coming together. Um, There were two protesters, Patsy Perkins and uh, uh, Lutina Turner, um, who were there protesting, who are going to be on my show tonight, um, that uh, we thought we should talk to and listen to. We're doing something that Martin Luther King talked about, and that is reconciliation. Uh, Alice Patterson, whose grandfather was in the Klan, and Pastor Charles Flowers, who uh, had a similar kind of experience as a black man, um, do racial healing and reconciliation. And we have some Black Lives Matter people joining us tonight. You don't want to miss that. Five o'clock only on the Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
The Conscience Protection Act is being voted on this week. There are some things that Congress has got to nail down before the election. And this one is a very important vote that you need to know about and need to support. We start there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We have Congressman John Fleming uh, on with us to explain. This bill is considered a pro-life bill, uh, and it is likely to pass with Republican support only, but that will mean a death sentence in the Senate. Uh, And this is um, a very, very important vote that there are a few things that Congress better do before the election, and this is one of them. Uh, Congressman, welcome to the program. How are you? Well, I'm doing great, Glenn, and uh, thanks for having me on. And you're absolutely correct. This is a critical bill that needs to be passed from the House, uh, hopefully through the Senate, but it, of course, uh, could be problematic. But ultimately, uh, we need to get this done. Explain what it is and why it's so important. All right. Um, This bill is one that is an extension of the Weldon Amendment. The Weldon Amendment uh, has been in law since 2005, and what it says is that health care workers should not be required to participate against their will with abortions or anything uh, of that type. Also, uh, when you purchase uh, health care coverage, when you make premiums, that you're, you cannot be required to pay premiums towards uh, a plan that covers elective abortions. The problem is, Glenn, that complaints have been made now in California and other states we expect in which health plans are actually required now to cover elective abortions. And uh, 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 HHS Secretary Burwell refuses to comply with the law to enforce the law and force these insurance companies to protect people who purchase insurance or, in other cases, to protect Healthcare workers. So the bottom line is the Conscience Protections Act, when Burwell or HHS does not do its job and enforce the law, it gives a private right of action that allows you to go to court and require hospitals who may force healthcare workers to participate with, with abortions or when you purchase insurance, that you, you, they must provide for you a health plan that does not cover elective abortions. So I'm concerned because the Supreme Court just said that if you are a um, if you're a pharmacist and even you're a Christian pharmacist and you don't want to provide abortion pills, uh, you still have to do it, even if there's a CVS next door. What makes you think that this a will pass and B would stand against a court? Well, I I think um, that, you know, the First Amendment uh, to protect right of speech and right of religion, where one is not required to do things that um, violate your deeply held beliefs, is still fundamental in our Constitution. Now, is that to suggest that the courts, and particularly the Supreme Court, sometimes goes against the Constitution? Absolutely it does. And so you're right. Uh, this will probably get into, at some point, Supreme Court. 
a lawsuit in the Supreme Court, but um, it, it, a lot depends on who's elected president next year and who he picks as justices going forward. Um, this is uh, supported by um, many of the faith organizations. Catholic bishops are all over this bill. Um, you say that if we don't get bipartisan support, then it dies in the Senate. Why is that? Well, because uh, we only have 54 Republican senators, and you know that the threshold is 60 senators, so we've got to get six Democrats to go along with it. And frankly, I'm not sure we're going to get all of the Republicans. Uh, You know, when it comes to issues of abortion and uh, faith and oftentimes uh, conscience, uh, Republicans are not always there either, even though the uh, Constitution calls for it. So while I do think it will pass the House, which only requires a 51 percent threshold, I'm not so sure about the Senate. And certainly the president, uh, he's been behind all these moves to impair conscience rights. I doubt he's going to be willing to sign this either. Uh, so it sounds kind of futile. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I don't mean to be pessimistic, but I mean, um, this, the, I'm just telling you where I feel, where what I feel, and what um, I think a lot of Americans feel is okay. So I'm going to call, and then what happens? So motivate me to call. Why does this make a difference? Well, the reason why it makes a difference, Glenn, is because if the American people get behind this. And they urge legislators in Washington to get behind it and vote for it. Uh, then we will get more votes. While it's likely to fail this year, I think the failure of this bill, if it does fail, uh, will motivate people to go to the polls in November and vote more conscience protection-minded senators and House members and so. a president who's willing to abide by the Constitution. So this has both both a legal uh, aspect to it, but it also has an electoral, a political aspect to it. This is how we forge change in the right direction in America, is to get people behind efforts. And this is a, an important effort. We could get this bill passed next year if it fails this year, if we get the right president and certainly the right uh, senators and uh, representatives. I can't believe that we're having to pass and having a hard time passing the Conscience Protection Act Usually, it's something like that that is so easily agreed upon uh, is loaded with stuff like the Patriot Act. This is the Conscience Protection Act. This is what it really means. If you have a, you have a right to conscience, and if you if your faith says you cannot do these things, I can't be a nurse and assist in an abortion. You don't have to. They can't fire you. You're not forced to do that. Um, how we are having to have this passed in a bill is beyond me. But Well, Glenn, I would agree with you, but this is part of a bigger effort, a larger-scale effort by the left to replace God with government, to take religion out of uh, American thought altogether, and also to make the Constitution a living, breathing document, something that's flexible and that can, throw, can be thrown away when convenient. So this is this is part of that effort that you know has many fronts, uh, and this is just another very important juggernaut in that entire discussion. Um, all right, um, thank you so much for being on with us. The vote is Wednesday, is that right? 
the vote is Wednesday. Um, it's it's been my bill uh, since I brought it up in 2011. Uh, it's currently called the Conscience Protections Act of 2016, HR 4828, uh, but it will likely be changed to a Senate bill. It may be unrecognizable in number, <laughs> so just look for the Conscience Protections Act to be voted on Wednesday. Uh, so when you call your senators and representatives, particularly your representatives, because it will come up in the House first, talk about the Conscience Protections Act, CPA. Uh, and you call the Democrats, too, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, put pressure on them. If you put enough pressure on Democrats, uh, some of them will fold, and they will join in with us. So, uh, a, a uh, you know, again, a full-bore effort is what's necessary to get this passed especially in the Senate, it, and it's not guaranteed that it'll pass in the House. Thank you very much, John. I appreciate it. Keep, okay, good, thank you. Keep in there pitching uh, the Conscience Protection Act. It's amazing, too, because if you talk to, not, not an abortion activist necessarily, but the typical pro, quote-unquote, pro-choice Democrat, and they'd say, look, I'm, we're not looking to force people into doing things. We just want women to have the choice. What about the women who are nurses? Do they get the choice to participate? Even if you go on the flawed logic that this is all about choice, this should be right in their wheelhouse. They should all be saying, I completely support that. So these women and men can have a choice as to whether they want to participate in this procedure. Uh, But no. So it's forcing the people to participate in the choice to end the life of the baby. When you don't want to make that choice. Exactly. It's crazy. Amazing. Crazy. Um, Conscious Protection Act. Uh, Call your senator and your House of Representative um, uh, member uh, right away. They vote on it on Wednesday. A lot of good people looking for work right now. If you're looking to hire somebody, how do you find that perfect candidate? Well, do what we've done. We use ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post on 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Uh, ZipRecruiter is, uh, is really something for people like us. We are so busy. The last thing, I mean, we have meetings all the time where we're like, uh, have we filled that position yet? We've filled that position yet. No, we haven't. We, I haven't had time to even write the job description yet. The last thing you have time for if you're a small business is writing the job description and then posting it on 100 different job sites. Now with ZipRecruiter, you can post all on with one click and then you watch all of these uh, resumes roll in immediately. They'll filter it for you. But then the ones that are specifically are responding to you within the first 24 hours are coming in as well. And they have an easy to use interface so you can separate them, do it all in one space and you can hire the right person. It is, I mean, again, we've used it. Over 800,000 businesses across the nation use ZipRecruiter right now. Post jobs at ZipRecruiter right now for free. Try it out at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck takes on some of the most pervasive lies and destroys the false promises of progressivism by taking you through its history. Get the truth in Liars, the new book by Glenn Beck. Available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
This is the Glenn Beck Program. You do you use Pandora? Anybody use Pandora? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh a lot. But I'm reevaluating that. Oh, I'm not reevaluating. I'm canceling. Um, One of our uh, uh, Blaze guys, uh, Michael Pelko, was going to check into whether or not it was legitimate and what they were. Well, this is just saying. published he's, by Michael. He's clarifying. Yes, he is. He just published this on the Blaze at nine nineteen a.m. Eastern Time uh, by Michael. So this is what he found. Pandora, the streaming subscription music service with the mission statement, our mission is to play music you love, found itself in the middle of a controversy after posting a statement on social media Friday supporting Black Lives Matter and racial justice. Here's what they posted. Our hearts ache for all those who unfairly lost their lives. We stand with marginalized communities. We stand for racial justice. We stand for um, equity. We stand together to make sure this world is a better place. Black Lives Matter Love above all, Pandora. Now, I mean, I stand with those who are yes, unjustly. Yes, I mean, that's the thing. Pandora's political statement sparked immediate reaction, much, much of it negative. Uh, Fort Worth police officers said Pandora Radio, goodbye. Yeah. We urge those who support law enforcement to delete Pandora. Uh, the widow of a fallen police officer posted her disapproval. Uh, I'm praying Pandora. I'm a paying Pandora One customer. I'm also the widow of a fallen police officer. I guess I'll be calling to cancel my subscription. Highly disappointed. Um, friends and family of law enforcement. Uh, poor business decision. I just deleted your app, and so did my wife. We'll pass the word on to all my blue friends. It's a weird one because you know when a politician comes out and says all lives matter. And then the Black Lives Matter people come out and say, how dare you say all lives matter? We know what you mean by that. We're rightly critical of them for saying, wait a minute, you don't, all lives do matter. I mean, obviously black lives do matter. I I think it's better to say all lives matter. But I mean, you know, uh, is it bad to just, I mean, because I think what you're indicating there is that you're, uh, in agreement with the, I guess, the leadership of Black Lives Matter, whatever that is, and and a lot of the things they're doing, which I'm not in agreement with. But of course, obviously, Black Lives Matter. I, I believe all lives matter, so Black Lives would be part of those lives. Well, yeah, I mean, we use the hashtag Black Lives Matter, hashtag All Lives Matter on our stories the other day at glenbeck.com, and I got a lot of heat from it. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm using the hashtag. You know what the hashtag is for, right? It's supposed to put yourself in the middle of a debate on that term. Right. It's not, so to, it doesn't mean it's not an endorsement. So I'm sure Pandora does agree with it. So I'm like, I'm hesitant here to give them. Right. Well, it's included but, in a post, an mm-hmm. ad. You know, it's not like at the end of a, a, you know, it's not at the end of their comment, you know, in the post to make sure that it's, it's being correlated with all those people, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's what the hashtag is. It's not just a stupid right. little it's it's to not make sure it's not an endorsement. It's to make sure that you your post is included in all of the posts that are talking about Black Lives Matter. Sure. So it's a way for you to even make a statement anti Black Black Lives Matter. That's how the hashtag began. Right. Isn't well, that, right but now, that's what it now. It's kind of a statement. Well, it is a statement, but not on social media. It, it I mean, that's what it's for. So if you're wearing a T-shirt that has the hashtag, yes, it's a statement. But if you're using it on social media, not in a picture form, not in a, you know, a JPEG or whatever. I don't even know how the hell it works. But if you're, if you're using it at the end of your post 
or in your post where it's right. going to be read by the algorithms. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. That's the whole point. Like, if you want to see people talking about Black Lives Matter, you, you search the for the hashtag, hashtag or Black click Lives on the Matter. hashtag, you're going to see everybody talking about it. So you see Both sides. Pro, pro and against. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, this is not an against statement here. I mean, I... That is how hashtags are used. That's not how Pandora is using it here, though. They're not oh. making a statement against Black Lives Matter by any means. No. What happens if you click on my T-shirt hashtag? Right. Then does that include my T-shirt as part of the discussion? It yes, it does. Yes, okay. It does. So it was, it was funny when uh, the the whole thing happened with the, Trump and the and the star, uh, you know, on the post, the the, yeah. uh, the the star of David, and then he tried to come back with this thing of like, well, look, I saw it on this one Frozen book. Remember this post? Like and then at the I know, of course he didn't. It was posted everywhere. <laughs> but the the thing I liked about it though is he just put at the end put hashtag frozen. So now everyone who's searching for commentary on the children's movie Frozen was seeing his defense of yeah. using a Jewish uh, at the Star of David. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, it's just funny. Yeah. So anyway, but I, I, I mean, I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear from a spokesperson at Pandora. So yeah, Michael. I mean, if you would have just comment. added the line, just added the line. Um, you know, let's see. Uh, let me just. Our hearts ache. Let me see if I can get this up. For all those who unfairly lost, lost their, their lives. lives. We exactly. stand with the marginalized communities. We stand for racial justice. We stand for equity. We stand for the police as well. Yeah, that'd be great. And together, we will make this world a better place. They just didn't include that. They just didn't include that. Right. I, I mean, mean I- you are taking a side by, especially when you when you put this out on Friday. After Dallas? Right. I, I, my, if I were to guess, I would say 100% that's what they're doing. Although, you know, I'd like to see what their answer is to it. I mean, because I think black, black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, all those things, you know, are fine. Um, and I think a lot of it's driven by emotion. You're, you're coming off of an emotional incident where you see a video you think is completely unjust. We don't know all the facts about it, but you think it's completely unjust. And maybe you make generalized statements that aren't accurate. Probably the same way that many people who are people are supporting the police might make statements after Dallas that don't involve all the facts yet, and people jump to some conclusions. It's best to, of course, stay away from that completely. But I mean, all lives matter covers all of it. I want police to live. I want black people to live. Are, am I? Are we the only four people in America left who believe both of those things? I don't. I, no, I, I, that's what it feels, feels like when you go on Twitter. No, but I heard a reasonable explanation from somebody who does not hate white people, um, and uh, I heard it oh, Friday uh, from one of our people that went down and was was there at the shooting, mm-hmm. and they were talking to people, and they said, "Look, the problem." Yes, all lives matter, but we're trying to make the point about the shootings of black people by the police. And so by saying all lives matter, it's almost like you're negating and you're not you're not saying I hear your voice. The the term all doesn't negate anything. That's the point of the word all. It's inclusive. It's inclusive of everybody. But the problem with black lives matter to me, one of the big problems is it started with a lie. It started with the hands yeah. up, don't no, shoot I know, stuff. I know. And it's all based on, I mean, and it's and the And the people who are the running it. The they use I mean, are, are in large part either bogus or extremely misleading. Yes. Oh, More oh, white people oh. die at the hands of cops every year by far. 
are than black people. And even when and, you go to the, rates, you can yes. the, when you really get deep into the actual rates of violence, when you compare them to other violent crimes, right. there is nothing out of place. In fact, some studies have shown that cops are less likely to shoot black people yeah. because they're worried about, about these the sorts of accusations, yeah. which maybe this is a reason for them to continue doing it, I guess, if it's working. But that is what actual studies have shown that, not the opposite. Well, tonight... Black Lives Matter. I have some Black Lives Matter people uh, that from the from the streets where they were shooting uh, on uh, last Thursday here in Dallas in the studio five o'clock only on the Blaze TV. Subscribe, watch it tonight. The Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glenbeck.com. So glad to uh, to have you join us today. A lot to uh, talk about. Uh, also, don't forget, my uh, new book comes out, I think it's August, does anybody know August 4th or something like that? Um, August 2nd, called uh, Liars. There are three books that I want to uh, write before I die. And uh, one of them is A History of the United States. Uh, at least the last 50 years, written by the losers, the non-progressives, to correct the history of what's been happening. Uh, One that I'm going to publish um, as soon as I leave this business to tell you everything I know about television and radio and the press and politics. Uh, And then this one. And this is The Roots of Progressivism. And it's not just a history book. That's the first half is a real detailed history book of where did this come from? And believe it or not, we start at the Stone Age. Where did the idea of progressives come from? And more importantly, this is the second half of the book, psychologically, why does it work? Why does it work on us? The book is called Liars. Pre-order your uh, copy now. This is something uh, that, honestly, if you have a kid that's going to college, should read before they go to college uh, because it will give them a clear understanding of how their university is going to work and how it's all set up. Uh, And, you know, one of the things I found amazing when I started doing research, I had no idea that John Hopkins University was set up by the progressive movement to be the first university to bring in progressive thought from Germany. you have any idea that that was true? I mean, I always think of John Hopkins University as just a great university. And, you know, I'm sure it is, but it's also the, it's, it's patient zero for the progressive movement in our universities. Truly amazing. Um, Check it out, Liars, available August 2nd, bookstores everywhere, and you can order online now, glennbeck.com slash liars. Can we go to the stats that, you know, I have a show tonight at 5 o'clock. I am going to go into some very unpopular places. 
Um, and I hope that you will listen long enough to see where I'm going. Um, but I am convinced um, my daughter came over yesterday and she said, how you doing, Dad? And I'm like, I'm good. She's like, yeah. How 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 you doing, Dad? Like, I know I'm, you know, I'm, I, you know, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. Right. Okay. I don't have any hope left. <laughs> I've got no hope left. Because I don't think any of the solutions anybody is going to want to do or hear. All We are at the place to where we've passed all the exits and I said, and Ronald Reagan said this, and FDR said this, that if you wait long enough, you will not have any good options left to you. And so there will be nothing good to do. And if that's not the way I feel about this election, oh, gee, I don't know. Do I want to hang myself or do I want to take a cyanide tablet? Um, you know, maybe the cyanide is actually a sugar pill. Maybe the gun is not loaded, but choose one. Which one do you want? I don't know. There's no good options left. And, and the options that we do have require us to truly humble ourselves. And that usually doesn't happen when people are not miserable. And then when they do get miserable, as you will find out in the book Liars, they usually run to somebody, anybody, who says, I'll, make, I'll take your misery away. We're going to try something different, and that is the truth. We're not listening to each other. And instead, we're just going for sound bites. And the Blaze really did a great job of this last week. We were not looking for, in fact, the guys came in, you were all three on vacation. None of the guys had heard the story that we shared Friday morning of the, the guy who was the last marcher in Dallas who was marching down the street for justice and equality with Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And he hated the cops. And he wanted to make their life miserable. And he knew all these squad cars and all the cops had to follow him because he was the last, they couldn't pass him. So he decided he was just going to meander and take as long as he possibly could. Just to irritate the cops. Just the whole time he said, I wanted to irritate them. I wanted to stick in their craw. Was, that was his personal po- protest. He was being lippy back and forth. Yeah, I mean, he, was not, he is not a fan of the cops. And when the shooting started, two cops got out of the car and ran for him. One of them pushed him out of the way, and it was either him or his partner that took a slug to the chest and died. Oof. And the guy looked at them... And as he was taken away by the cops off the street to safety, and he looks at the guy who took a bullet for him, he immediately said, dear God, I was taunting these guys the whole time, and look what they've just done for me. And I'm not saying that he is all of a sudden, you know, ah, see the light and uh, uh, call me Mr. Honky Honk Honk Honk. Uh, I mean, he is, he's still his... He still has his, that's a real name. He still has his own belief, but he also has understanding now that not all the cops are bad. That's critically important. 
Now, he witnessed something. Not everybody can witness. On the flip side, because I have witnessed people like him, and we witnessed people like we're going to have at 5 o'clock, who were there at the shooting, who were there saying Black Lives Matter, who were saying, no, nobody's hearing what we're really trying to say. And they're not the protesters, you know, they're not the Black Panther protesters. They're the regular person who says, you don't understand what's being said. I think we need to listen and then do what Martin Luther King did, and that's called racial reconciliation. Now, a lot of progressives and progressive churches use this rhetoric as a social gospel, a social justice thing. That's not what it is. That's not what it has to be. What it, what it should be, and the way I view it, is let's listen to each other. Let's not try to win an argument. Let's understand the other side completely and then talk to people who will then listen to our side and understand what we're trying to say completely. When I can say back to them what they're feeling and they say, yes, that's yes, now you have it, then they need to listen to me and and they need to listen so long where they can parrot back what I'm saying and I say, yes, you have it. At that point, we can have a discussion and say, okay, the blaze last week was not going for the headlines. We were not going for the, the sexy scoop. We weren't going for the, we were looking for the places where we could unite and not the places that were dividing us. I don't know if anybody else was doing it, but that's what's happened. That was what was happening in my building here in Dallas over the last few days. So maybe I have a different viewpoint. We're starting today with that. Then tomorrow, on tomorrow's show, you guys should stay for these two shows. Um, Tomorrow's show, I have a guy who is a Pakistani gay Muslim. Now, I don't know exactly how that works. Um, and he, Might be question number one. Right, <laughs> right. Um, but he is a guy who is Islamic and believes that everybody makes the Islamic faith look bad. Um, and he has written to me probably for the last four months, maybe, back and forth. And um, he wrote to me and he said, I just want somebody in the media who actually is intellectually curious and will ask questions and then listen to the answer because we've got to come together or we're going to kill each other. And I wrote something to him. I don't remember what it was, but uh, I said something along the lines of, I know I, I would like to help you on that. I'm not saying that we'll agree on anything, but I know what it's like to be made into a cartoon character and not listen to because the media has decided what you are. And so I'm open to having a further discussion with you. When I decided to bring him in was when he sent me an email. He took my letter and wrote to a friend of his and said, wow, look at what Glenn Beck just wrote to me. She wrote back, his friend, she wrote back, Look at how this egomaniac bastard made it about him. 
They're all alike. And he wrote to me and he said, holy cow, even my friends don't get it. And I thought that was such a moment of honesty where he would take his own friend and say, no, no, you're wrong. He's right. That we decided to have a conversation. That is tomorrow. So we're going to have some really frank, hard conversations because that's the only way out of it in a peaceful way. Not that I'm opposed to staying, uh, you know, sticking around here that late for the television show, but there's a way that I can watch that because I subscribe to the Blaze ah, TV. Yeah. I could, I mean, you also have it on your cable. Anywhere. You also have it on your cable. Yeah, program, I mean, you can watch it mm-hmm. anywhere. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to be here. Yeah, but I don't trust that you would actually not be at, I don't know, the, <laughs> the gentleman's club. You know, walking around going, where are all the gentlemen? I don't see any gentlemen here. Well, that's why you go. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. why you go. I thought everybody had to wear a smoking jacket. I had no idea what those gentlemen clubs even were. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to get to some amazing stats that if the media wanted to be fair about the cops, they would share these stats with you. We'll get to that coming up in just a second. Right now, Italy and Germans are talking about multi-billion dollar bank bailouts. Let me say that again. In Italy and Germany, multi-billion dollar bank bailouts. Where are they going to get that money? Here in the U.S., Bank of America is suggesting gold is going to rise to above $1,500 an ounce. Uh, I have read because of what's happening in Europe and the bailouts that are coming, Italy is on the verge of becoming Greece. Imagine that. When Italy becomes Greece, Rome, (laughs) all of it on fire and unrest like it is in Greece, massive poverty. It's all beginning to collapse. When that happens, you know, gold could be $3,000, $5,000 an ounce. I don't want to predict the price of gold because nobody knows. Because quite honestly, the government and, and people like, I think, like George Soros are, are actually suppressing the price of gold right now. The banks are doing it as well. Um, it is, it's not good. My daughter came to me last night and said, Dad, I, I want to talk to you about buying some more gold. And I said, uh, have at it. I'm, I'm buying more myself. The time, Americans are weird. We buy when everybody else is buying. Look at the housing markets on fire. I got to go buy a house. No, buy a house when it's not on fire. Don't buy at the top of the market. Buy at the bottom of the market. Really? Now, right. Now is the time to protect yourself. I think that's right. That can't be right. Can't be. No, I, I'm supposed to buy at the top and sell at the bottom. Well, that's so certainly I what, what I've done. The, I, <laughs> I know, I've done. That's what I've done every single time. <laughs> every single time. Break that habit. Call Goldline right now. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE. Read their important risk information. Find out if buying gold or silver is right for you. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Glenn Beck. Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can. Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show. To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information. That's tickets at glennbeck.com. Mercury.
This is the Glenn Beck Program. Oh, my gosh. Governor Greg Abbott sustained extensive second and third degree burns on both his legs and feet. He may miss next week's GOP convention as a result. Uh, he was burned real bad the other night when he spoke about the shootings, and he didn't want anybody to know because he felt bad. Uh, he didn't, mm. didn't want it to be about him. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. His legs, were, his legs have been... Thursday bad. night, happened to him? scalded in an accident involving hot water. He declined oh, to, fur- to provide further details. If you don't know, he is in, he's in a wheelchair. Um, he still had, apparently, according to the first article I read, he still had uh, he has some feelings uh, in some of the nerve endings and stuff. So he was in quite a bit of pain. Uh, extensive second and third degree burns. You know, that guy has Dang. real character. I know. He has real character. Yeah, he does. Um, but anyway. Um, Unlike the people at The Blaze. Right. Uh, who are t- doing something that journalists should never do. Uh, I just saw this Jason Howerton, who, who is uh, over at The Blaze. He tweets, a CNN analyst has suggested that The Blaze interviewed the Dallas gunman parents too soon. Yeah, because they didn't get to him. Yeah, uh, they get to him first. Who did this? See, a CNN analyst. I don't know that. I don't have the name yet. We, we can get it from Jason. But so we so CNN because they would never rush to a breaking news no. story and get an interview. These guys are literally camped out in yeah. front of the family's house. <laughs> That's amazing. And by the way, they, as Jason points out, they reached out to Lawrence. It wasn't us going and camping out at their house and trying oh. to break in until we got the an interview. family they, called Lawrence. Right. They reached out to to the Blaze. Unbelievable. Okay, so you can see um, pieces of this. I haven't even seen it. It's finished la- late last night. It will air on the Blaze on Wednesday night in a primetime special. Uh, it is the only interview with the family of the shooter in Dallas, and it's quite amazing to watch. We'll go over some of the pieces that we have, and you can read the exclusive story and hear some of the, uh, and watch some of the video at theblaze.com. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Black lives matter. Um, Yes, they do. But life matters. Um, Some interesting stats that the Black Lives Matter people, in fact, even the president, won't give you that come from the Justice Department that are important if we're going to set the record straight. But there's something important to an exclusive interview that um, Lawrence Jones, who works for me in The Blaze, um... Lawrence was called by the family over the weekend and asked if he would give, if he would do an interview with the family. He doesn't know the family. They just happened to be watching and they saw him and thought, I'll do an interview with him. Everybody is camped out. You know, the Today Show was camped out. Everybody was camped out yesterday when Lawrence and our team walked into this house. He did an interview. He's not a 60 Minutes guy. Um... They said they wanted their story heard, and this will be the only time they speak to the media. That's their story. Uh, it's becoming wildly controversial now, and people haven't even heard the whole interview. I haven't even heard the whole interview. We'll talk about that and get to those stats. Black Lives Matter? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. We begin there right now. 
fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Very interesting. All right. Um, Chief Brown had some interesting things to say about the protesters. Um, he called them a terrorist group, did he? Well, not? a radical hate group is what the chief called them. So you know, that's pretty strong. And I tend to agree with um, at least the leaders. I mean, I am impressed that there are people here in Dallas. And, and it's just like this with everything, with everything. I mean, look, we know this from the Tea Party movement. There were those people who actually believed in the Constitution, and it wasn't about party politics. It wasn't about race. It was about the Constitution and the rule of law. And there are those people that believed that, and we stood there and we fought for that, and we found out here in this last election. No, there's probably a third of those people that didn't believe any of that. They just wanted it to be their guy and their party. And there's a small portion uh, of every group, but I mean, even the Tea Party, who actually really did believe in crazy bad things. Yeah. However, there, as small. far as my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, there were zero members of the Tea Party who shot 12 cops. That's absolutely uh, right. And there were zero members. But there are zero people that were, that were actually calling for violent and violence, and these guys are calling for violence. The leadership. Many of them are. Many. Leadership. Uh, and many, many of the leaders and many of the, um, uh, the people that, that, that are, are the most vocal are ca- calling for at least the dehumanizing of cops and white people yeah. and the shooting. And we hit this earlier, but I mean, there's plenty of people, too, that look at these bad videos online and ter- the actual incidents of police brutality. They do exist. They do. Uh, sometimes they do act inappropriately. Sometimes they do things that are terribly wrong. And there are so- many, many people who are generally motivated by the, the visceral emotion that surrounds those incidents and joins groups like this that have nothing to do with hating cops or all. I understand I, I believe, how that, that. And that's true. I believe that all lives matter. But I also believe that there is a point to be made that black lives matter to make the point of the bad cops, which I think is a very small minority, and more importantly for me, because I think this is a much larger number, the kids that are shot in Chicago every single weekend, Mm -hmm. the black-on-black crime that is happening every single weekend at extraordinary numbers. And they never talk about it. And they never talk about that. We should be talking about that. How can we help? What can we learn from that? So anyway, uh, one of the things that we have to do is if we're going to have a real conversation, we have to base our conversation on fact. And there's even the president came out and said, hey, you know, I want to tell you the apologetics that he went through. Unbelievable. After the shooting was remarkable. And he does this every time. Every time there's somebody shooting cops, he comes out and explains the anger that led to it. What president explains the anger of murderers? It just, it's bizarre. He, He can say, he can say, I think he could say this. This has got to stop. Yes. There is no excuse and no place in American society mm-hmm. for the shooting down of, of cops in our streets. If there are bad cops, we need to root them out and find them and try them by the rule of law, period. This has got to stop. Now, on the other side, I want people to understand 
that I'm not talking about the people who are calling cops pigs or calling them names or saying that they should be killed or actually shooting them. I'm talking about the average African-American who, and I told my, my family this story last night, and I know I've said it before, when I lived in Louisville, Kentucky, there was a story, I first moved to Louisville, and there was a story about two cops that kept their Klan outfit in the trunk of their cruiser and got busted for it and got kicked off the force. And that's the first time I had ever seen, I didn't even know the Klan really existed. I mean, I, you know, I'm stupid Northwesterner. And the, the, the Klan, and it's a cop? And I remember thinking that night, all night, man, if I were a black person, I lived here, and I saw that story, there's no, there's no way I'm opening up my door for a cop. There's no way I'm, when I'm being stopped by a cop in a cruiser at night that I'm feeling comfortable with him coming up next to my car. I mean, people need to understand that there, there are those things that are still happening in America, and that is different that white people never have to think about, never have to think about. But that is such a minority. Let's go find those people. Let's go find those people. And it's, of course, our responsibility as citizens to not look at one incident and feel the emotion. Well, of I'm going to go even decisions f- on that. I'm going to go even further. It is our responsibility as citizens, and especially if you are in a position of power, to report the facts that are true. The president and not has misleading. the f- and not misleading. The president has the facts, the truth on. Um, uh, cops shooting blacks from the Justice Department. Right. We heard what he said last week. And instead he gives a litany of misleading stats, and then he says, those are the facts. Those are the facts. Mm. As if you must now believe everything I've said, now I've pointed out how racist the cops really are. Now listen to the actual stats from the Justice Department. Uh, why do, this is, they're talking about uh, violence against other races. Or, or your own race, actually. Violent offenders. So for violent white offenders, 82.4% of their victims are white. Sorry, say it again. For white violent offenders, 82.4% of their victims are white. 7.8% are Hispanic. 6.4% are some other race. 3.6% are black. The population of black is 12? 12%. 12%. Yes. Okay, so... 12 to 14. Uh, for black offenders, black victims, 40.9%. So almost 41% of their victims are black. 30.6% of, of black offenders' victims are white. 30.6%. So that's about... 10 times what it is uh, for white offenders. The other way around, right. So white bad guys are shooting generally white, uh, white good guys or white people. Yes. And black bad guys are shooting blacks black and people. whites. And, uh, blacks and whites. Clo- uh, uh, pretty close. When pretty close. Yeah, we'll, 41% to 30.6%. That shows that they're not, they're, they're, they are colorblind. They'll shoot, opportunity. They yes. will shoot either white or black. I mean, but there is a, of course, obviously there is more white people in the country. Um, right. You know, and, but black people are generally around other black people. White people are around other white people. That shows statistically that does still happen at some level. It's not a law about segregation, but people generally seem to 
tend to live around people who are more like them. Um, you know, there's some there's some you know things that are that make that information true. Um, but the point is not to say that black people are targeting white people by any means. Um, but it's so dishonest to say the opposite. That is what these statistics really show. That, that is there not is white people no, targeting. Right. It, it's not that black people. It does not. These numbers don't prove black people are doing anything bad. What it means is that it's insane to say the opposite. Like you look at these numbers and then if you wanted to paint one of those uh, groups of people. Now, of course, there's other explanations for all of this. For example, 80 percent of white people live out of cities and 70 percent of black people live in cities. Like those are two incredible statistics that explain so much of this. You know, I mean, like they're in areas where these things are more common and therefore are involved in them including police interactions. Yes. It also shows you we mostly live around like um, yeah. among like us. We are, self, are like us. We are self-segregating. Yeah, that's How, what happens. However, of course, this is the case and we pointed this out a million times. Is that we are we are uh, an example of 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 blending most these cultures more than anywhere else in the world. Most racially like, blended. Oh, there's no other country in history. There's no other country that is even close. No. Not even close. So I mean, I, we 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 look at this being critical at our, as ourselves. Of course, we've come further than the rest of the world yeah. in, in, on these issues. And yet, the opposite is the perception, right? Give me the cop killing stats. Uh, cop killing stats. Yes, it's it's you know, it's it's kind of amazing when you look at it because. Uh, you know, it's 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 the idea of like what Black Lives Matters is trying to say, because they can't disagree with the idea that cops kill more white people than they do black people. Every study shows that. Of course, there's more white people in the country to kill. So it, it's, it's it's likely that that would come out. What you see is about 26 percent, 27 percent of the victims uh, and, and victims is a is a word I use in heavy quotes because many of these people are armed. Many of these people are actively going and trying to kill the officer as they get killed. These are things that are not included in these reports often. But about 27% of the people who are shot by officers are black, and about 12% of the population is black. So that is what the entire Black Lives uh, Matter uh, you know, uh, argument is based on. Essentially, that disparity. Again, 70% of blacks live in inner cities where the crime is much more prevalent. Exactly than it is in where the white people are. Eight, about 80% of whites live outside of cities. So that's a right. huge part of that as well. But just what number do you compare it to? If 27% of, of police shootings are black people, should you compare that to just the 12% of people who are, uh, that are black in the country? Or should you compare it, as National Review argues today, uh, perhaps the argument is better to, uh, about murderers, for example approximately about, according to the FBI, about half of murderers are black. So would you say that if half of murderers are black and 27% of people who are shot by police officers are black, is that unfair against black people? I mean, I think you could argue the opposite, potentially. Um, but you, can, you might say, okay, well, uh, you know, uh, maybe, uh, you know, you can come up with some way of justifying that. Again, it's partially, I think, the city thing is a, is a big part of this. Um, another number. 50% of all murderers. How about cop killers specifically? 43%, according to the FBI, of cop killers are black. However, about 27% of people who are shot by police officers are black. If you, even if you go down to the lower levels of this, um, this is violent criminals in general. 
Uh, quoting the National Review, most of these commit relatively minor offenses, such as simple assault, where there's no weapon or serious injury. According to victimization sur- surveys, you're talking about just generally violent criminals, 24% are black, almost statistically exactly the amount as to what would be, uh, uh, as to who is shot by police officers. So, I mean, if you look at those three numbers, the real high-level crimes, it's not even remotely close. But if, even if you go down to the very lowest level, it's almost exactly statistically accurate of what you would predict would happen in these situations. Now, the vast majority of people who are shot by officers are, uh, are armed at the time. Many of them are going after police officers at the time. Many of them are, show uh, significant signs of mental illness before these things occur. Remember when I first moved? 4%. According to the statistics of the last year that was uh, statistically uh, surveyed, 4% of the police killings, of of the people killed by police, 4% of them were unarmed. 4%. Now this. Big home security companies offer you a free system. All you have to do is put a sign in your front yard. Now, can I ask you, when's the last time you saw one of those signs in somebody's front yard that was nice and pretty and, and you thought to yourself, oh, wow, I've, I've got to call that alarm company because my neighbor has that alarm system. Never. It doesn't happen. So that's a scam. How are they making money? I'll tell you how they're making money. They're charging you $40, 50 or $60 every single month. They have paid for that stupid plastic alarm system a hundred times over. And you think it's the sign. Simply Safe has a different way. They're going to charge you for the alarm system. And they're going to charge you at an unbelievably reasonable price because nobody's coming into your house to string wires. You're in charge of building it. Um, it's, it's all wireless technology that you install yourself. Then you own it. Then you can take it and you can move it from house to house, apartment to apartment. You can expand it. And if you want the 24-7 monitoring, let's say you just want it during the summer while you're out of the house an awful lot, then you call and simply say, we'll start the monitoring. And then when you say, I don't want it anymore, and you only pay $14.99 for the months that you want it. Simply safe. It's the new way. It's the, uh, the no scam way of, of protecting your home, the stuff in it, and your family. For the protection that we trust, go to simplysafebeck.com right now. Get an exclusive 10% off offer. It's simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. At our most basic level, we are all afraid of something. Progressives exploit these fears by offering us solutions based on lies and a hunger for power and control. Get the truth with liars. A new book by Glenn Beck, available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. I will be nitro. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Did you guys... Stu, Pat, do you remember when I moved to uh, Baltimore? And we moved there almost the same time, and I think you were there. 
Do you remember when I was stopped by a cop on a freeway and I got out of my car? Do you remember this? I don't think you were there yet. I just moved to, to Baltimore and, you know. I remember when that happened to me and I, I got out of the car in D.C. And I was driving the station truck. I don't remember that. And you got out of the car. And it, the cop about went out of his skull. He was like, get back in the car. Wait, wait. Okay, I, I just, because I, I never just out. read that you meet no. the cop halfway and that takes away their aggressive tendencies to give yeah. you a ticket. We, yeah, no, you do. We no, both you grew up on the, the car. we both grew up on the other side of the country. Yeah. Where we didn't have the, you know, the, the tense atmosphere. And it was right around the time. And it was right around the time when I think two cops Maryland were, cops had just. Yeah, been. We had just moved there. Yeah. And, um, and, uh. And cops had been shot. And both of us are from out of town. And we're like, hey, neighbor, how you <laughs> right, doing? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah they and they don't like that. No, they don't like that. No. Now, you're saying they were still aggressive even after seeing you were white? Yes. Yes. Oh my <laughs> gosh. How does that? Actually had his so hand. He learned he our, draw it, but he had his hand on his gun. I bet he did. He learned he our 10 and 2 position on yeah, the. Learned that very quickly. Yeah. Back east. And that's a, it's just, a, it's just respect. These guys constantly have to deal with people who do terrible things Correct. to them or, or try instance. to. So, you know, you, you are you going overboard by keeping your hands on the wheel and, and having everything out and, and, and being overly respectful? Yes, you are. You don't have to as a citizen. There's no requirement to Here's be respectful to an officer. But what you do it because you want to let them know you're not a danger. They're constantly And you appreciate I have. They do. You I have. Yes. Want them to yes. give so you. the guy in, what was it, Minnesota that was shot? That had the concealed carry permit. Did you guys see that last week? No. Yes. Oh my gosh. Did he have a concealed carry permit? Uh, well, that's what I read in the story. I haven't followed up on it. I don't think so. Oh really? That's what they're saying. Now. Okay. So mm-hmm. anyway, so but it was a bizarre situation because the the girlfriend was like not. She was like performing in front of you know she on, Facebook on Facebook Live. She was like, look at what just happened, and her boyfriend's bleeding from the chest. But the deal is. He said, I have a gun, and uh, he went back and was reaching for, he said, or she said, his concealed permit. Well, the cop sees that and shoots him. And he's, the cop is freaking out. She's not freaking out. I carry a gun. I'm not reaching for my wallet if a cop is there. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. You know, it's interesting. We're just talking about there's a there's a story about how conservatives are uh, pushing back on Matt Drudge right now. Um, And, you know, some are not and some are pushing back on me on something else. And we'll get to it here in a second. You know, and some are not. Everything that you thought you could count on is changing. Everything. Your whole world is truly going to change even more than it already has. And the only thing that will hold you and root you are principles. So what 
exactly are your principles? I mean, and and who do you who do you freely associate with? For instance, I really want a follow up on the Pandora thing. I saw you one eighty report dot com. Yeah, it says uh, why you should delete the Pandora app immediately. Okay, so are they have they talked to the company or who who is this? I don't know that this is... By the way, 180report.com is like, a, I think, a better drudge report. And have you, how much have you used this? You can put, it's, the reason why it's called 180 is because you push a button or something over in the top mm-hmm. and it flips all the headlines. So you get the headlines from the conservative point of view and then you flip it to, I don't know, left. Blue. Just click on I think it, it and says it right, right and left. left. Yeah, and right you left. flip it and the headlines are now all these stories from the other side. So you see where... Yeah, where, where there's... What are liberals saying? Or liberals can see what conservatives are saying about the same stories. Anyway, yeah. so have they talked to Pandora? Uh, Do they have a quote from Pandora they, yet? They only have the original quote. They haven't uh, done the follow-up yet either. So... I mean, if that stands, I can't put my money with Pandora. I can't either. You spend money? You actually are a paying yeah. subscriber? Yeah. I mean, I think Pandora is great. I really like it. And frankly, because I don't know how to use the other stuff. I use, I use Apple, and I've been thinking, well, i got to have one or the other. And I honestly thought today I might cancel the Apple um, uh, app, uh, music app, because I like Pandora's algorithms better, but not after this. Not after this. No. Do you have the Apple? Do you have, what is the Apple service where you Apple get, Music. I mean, of course, there's Spotify. Unlimited. No, no, no. But the Unlimited. Yep. Apple Music, yeah. That's unbelievable. Do you have that, Pat? I don't. Oh, you have to get this. It's great. Any album you want, any song you want, basically free. You pay a monthly fat flat free. You don't own it, but you, oh. can, go, you can go and get any album or anything you want. And unlimited. And I don't own it. So it's, it so does if you it stop paying it from my... If you stop paying the fee, you know. Oh, it goes away. To the song. Yeah. But if you okay. pay the fee, you have it forever. So you're like leasing it for as long as you keep. Right. As long as you, you keep. Want the music. I mean, it's. And it, how much is it per month? Oh, four or five bucks, something like that. That was a little bit more, but it's something. It's not. It's not a huge. It's not a huge thing. Companies. These more. artists can't be making a. Oh no, they're dying anymore. Highway robberies. Dying. Yeah. Oh my well, god. Making their money off tours is where they're making. That's the only yeah, way. Yeah. But how do the old guys make money? Same way. That's what I mean. Touring. No, I'm talking about you know. Basically, everything in the Frank Sinatra catalog, uh, in, in the Frank Sinatra uh, catalog, oh, yeah. it's free now. Yeah. It's just free. Well, I mean, they, nobody's making money off of that. The big You're not ones, touring. I, the big ones, you can get some money out of. And there's also licensing fees. A lot of those songs get licensed. Like you know, Frank Sinatra is not going to have problems getting money. Those third tier guys from dead. that era, how do you make a dime? It's a little problem. No, the, the only biggest problem biggest. is not being alive. That's his biggest problem. He actually has an estate that <laughs> finances his. He actually manages all of his finances. Really? He still huh. gets licenses. Oh, yeah, no, Elvis is still making money. Yeah, that's a, more than when he was alive. Yeah, yeah, incredible. for a while. I don't think anymore, but for a while he um, he was. Same with we're, Michael Jackson. We're talking about this. This is uh, you know off the topic of all the crazy breaking news, but it's like I was thinking about. You know, in the 90s, the 90s, I would go search out like tiny record stores to find the CD that was released in like Great Britain to like buy. So I had this song that like no one else had. And it was days of research flipping through endless little bins to try to find this nonsense. And that was still like the Internet was 
even available at, at, through some of that time. So I'm reading a book. I, I hear about it. We're on vacation. I'm up in the mountains. I barely have um, any kind of internet connectivity at all. Okay, it's spotty at best. You have to literally, you have to go to one of the peaks and stand there at a peak <laughs> and you can get the cell service and then you go back down to the house. Hold one leg right? up. Yeah, no, it is it's really, it's like the antenna when you when your dad used to say, adjust the antenna, hold the rabbit ears. Don't and then move. You'd, don't move. You stand there and you'd watch a show holding the rabbit ears, okay? <laughs> it's like that. And um, uh, so we're up in the middle of nowhere. And I went, oh, man, I forgot to download this book um, called Ready Player One. And I wanted to read it to the kids. So we go, we find a place where we could download it. We download it. I don't have to go to a bookstore. I don't have to. It's an old book. came out about four years ago. I don't have to order it. Right. I just find it, download it. It's, I'm reading right. it within two minutes. Yeah. Right. I'm reading the book so now. Great. And it talks. It has one scene From about anywhere. war games. And the kids were saying, what movie are we going to watch tonight? Because we watch one movie every night. What movie are we going to watch tonight? And, uh, and I look at Tanya, I'm like, oh, war games would be so great because we're reading about it right now. Let's watch war games. She said, well, I mean, we don't have that. And I said, I, hello, when do you go to a video store and buy it? Right. I couldn't get it to download, and I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I could find it. I could buy it. I just couldn't get it to download in the middle of nowhere, and I was Literally. pissed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wow. That's how I feel on airplanes. Yes. And we've talked about that before. You're traveling at 600 miles an hour, <laughs> 40,000 feet above the ground. In a metal the, tube. And the in internet service is slow. And you're like, ah! Come on! Why can't I stream this movie? <laughs> We're pretty it's spoiled. Crazy! How pretty fast spoiled. that has come. I mean, you can get any song released anywhere. A remix of a song. You can get B sides, rarities, no anything. Here's, here's the big difference. We were sitting playing cards at the at the house one night, and uh, Matthew, my uh, uh, he's kind of like my nephew. Um, he was sitting in the car, sitting at the table. We were all discussing uh, something. And I said, oh, crap, what is that guy's name? Remember, he used to be in blah, 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 blah. Well, there's no cell service. And we sat there for a while going, oh, crap, it's, uh, I can see his face right now. Oh, we'll think about it. We played some more cards. Oh, man, this is driving me nuts. Oh, yeah. And then finally, about a half hour later, somebody said his name. And I'm like... Do you realize this is what it was like yes. five years ago? Yeah. Right. Well, now I am, now you have that conversation and everyone is on their phone looking it up. In fact, it's gotten so bad that when you start to tell a story about something, somebody will listen and go, either that can't be true or I want to see if that's true or I, I want to do and they And they immediately go online and they're looking <laughs> for the story oh. and they've already read it. By the time you get to the end of the story, they're done. Oh, they're like, yeah, yeah, I know. My son does that tell me, to me all the time at the dinner table. I'm telling him something, you know, they didn't know. And he's, you know, half listening and half using his thumbs on his phone. Pretty soon, oh, yeah. And then at the end, and he'll tell the end of the story. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, just stop oh, it. Stay off the phone. Yeah, it drives me nuts, too, because I've worked hard to store that memory. It's my story. Right. It's my story. Yeah. I've worked hard. And then they'll come up with one little thing that there's no way. Did you know two days before he died? 
in his medicine cabinet was a talking frog. <laughs> what? Well, there's, and it's, <laughs> it's partially the art of storytelling that dies there. Dice. Because you, uh, I mean, this happened dice. to you this morning in a meeting this morning. Glenn was in the middle of telling something about the Dallas uh, situation. Someone else who was there knew where the story was going. And in the middle of him telling the story, he's revealing it to Jeffy, Pat, and I in a way to make the maximum impact. So we feel the story. That's what we do here every day. But the other person in the meeting is like, well, actually, and then this started happening. And you're like, let me tell the story. Because you want, like, I. The art of storytelling is gone. It's even, a big even the art of memory, it's though, now any it's, kind of memory at all. Yeah. The remember, the, you don't have to don't memorize have to have, anything. You don't have to have it don't have at all. It's all, it's all right there. Now, look, this is and you know what, better, part of, but, I mean, it does have weird side effects. I mean, like, for example, we were on the air one day, Pat and I, on the Pat and Stu show, and we're sitting there and we're talking about the Beatles. And we're having this conversation about <laughs> who had a, the best career after the Beatles, just off the top of our heads. I don't even know how we got there. And our director in our ear says, actually, Ringo, Ringo. Starr was the most successful Beatle after. after <laughs> now you think to yourself. And, like, and I, I st- I we stopped the show. I said, I promise you that is not true. I don't know. I have any evidence about it. But there's no way Ringo Starr was the most, most successful Beatle after the Beatles broke up. He wasn't even top three. Now, I don't know. Pre-internet. Top three. Pre-internet. This was, yeah, after he the. Was, <laughs> he was, not even top three. He was, he was definitely not top, top two Beatles. after no. a death. No, it was, no. He was legitimately barely ahead of the fifth Beatle, I think. <laughs> actually where we wound up. He was barely ahead of Pete Best. Yeah, right. Barely. But he was top six. He was top six for sure. In the old days, pre-internet, like, you probably, it would take... God knows how much effort to figure out that this guy yeah. was making an idiot of himself. We called Capitol <laughs> Records. We talked to the lady, and she plugged us in right. to the sales guy. Kind of don't need to do that anymore. Oh, no, you do yeah. not. Oh, we had that. Was he the most successful? He was no. Fourth. He was in fourth. He was in fourth place. Okay, yes. that's what I As thought. As you expect with John Lennon, yes. Paul McCartney, George, uh, Harrison. George Harrison. He was in, of course he was in fourth place. We all knew he was in fourth place. It's really, it's, it's. Uh, it's uh, what? She's sixteen. She's beautiful, and she's mine. Yeah, and you're photograph. There was a, I don't mean, really know photograph. Yeah, it's eh. a couple. It was a pretty my again. Like you compare it to a, a you know any normal a, uh, artist. I mean, he had, didn't have a bad career if you just look at it oh, as an right. isolated thing. Right. Like coming out of the Beatles. I mean. John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison? Who could think it was anything other than fourth? And of course, it was fourth. And luckily, we were able to get the evidence and, and prove it was fourth. And prove it, prove it was him. fourth. And then mock him relentlessly for multiple years. I will tell you, though, it is, it is destroyed. It has destroyed me going on stage now um, and telling stories. Because they'll do it even at the show. At oh, yeah. the show, yeah. you will see. All of a sudden, everybody has blue up lighting on their face yeah. and you're like okay put the damn cell phone let me tell the story oh then you can check this you story. know that goes let back to, me tell the story goes back to what uh what we talked about last week where that's the way uh a lot of uh people experience shows now yeah it's, it's through their phone like because you know i noticed there's right. we I get stories it. all the time with artists who see everyone have the little blue up lighting from the phones. Get angry and say, "Put the phones down. Watch the show. I'm here live." Didn't Adele just do that? To yes. Yeah. But I watched my daughter at the fireworks, nine years old. She's got an iPod that she listens to her music on, and she records stuff on it. And I watched her start recording the fireworks. 
Right. But, and that's the way they experience it. Yeah. yeah I, I have said, well, I mean, we, I go out and do book amazing. signings, and people will come up and they'll have the video running, and they won't even look at me. Mm-hmm. They won't look at me. They, want to make they sure are looking the at shot. They will say, yeah, they're getting the shot, and they'll, they'll look over to one of the people who are helping with the book and stuff, and they'll say, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, nice to meet you. And you're like, I haven't had an haven't encounter met. with you at all. I haven't even seen your face. I don't, I mean, it's weird. I mean, that's the it experience. Is. But it's hard. It's like, I know. It's weird. It's, it's so tempting because you know that is there, this incredible like, you know, uh, creation of capitalism is there to answer every single question you could possibly want. I was watching uh, the Making a Murderer, that series on Netflix. This is, you know, uh, six months ago. And you get halfway through it, and all you want to do is Google I, the end of the story. I doubt what it is. It's yeah. all I thought about. I just wanted, I couldn't go on the internet because everyone was posting about it, because it would just be teasers and, and spoilers and everything. All I wanted to do is know the end of the story, but if you don't let the artists and the, the documentarians, the you know the storytellers, tell the damn story. You lose all of it. You lose the impact. It's just over. It's a one second thing and it's over. That's part of what this is. It's why you like movies. If at the end it's like, oh, by the way, uh, episode one, Luke's the father, which is like you know we're right off the top. Luke is the dad. And, and there's no impact of Star Wars. Like, I, that, you ha- Luke wasn't the dad. That I mean, yeah, Luke was the son. Sorry. Yeah, that really weird. He was his own dad. Wow. That was, that was Technology, huh? Yeah. Right. <laughs> now this. If you're thinking about purchasing your first gun, do your homework and do it before. I remember when Tanya and I, you remember this too? You were with us when we decided we didn't want to buy a gun. We had our first death threat and we were like, no, I, I'm not responsible mm, enough yeah. to buy a gun. Um, didn't want to carry a gun. Didn't, I mean, and hello, I got one today. Um, it, it it takes a while for you to decide if you're responsible enough that you're going to learn how to shoot, you're going to do everything that you're supposed to, and then find the right gun. And that's really hard to do. So do your homework. Make sure, though, you have the self-protection that you and your family needs. The world is changing. And also see what Bond Arms has to offer. Every gun from Bond Arms can be converted to suit your needs. And 25 different barrels that fit every Bond Arms pistol. And you can use 14 different calibers. I will tell you that my staff went down uh, into Dallas just uh, last week. And they weren't carrying a gun. I I don't go anywhere without carrying a gun. You don't know what you're in now. You just have no idea. Bond arms, I can carry it. My wife can carry a, a bond arms. She can carry it in her purse. They're very, very small. It, one of the barrels you could is like carrying a shotgun, uh, a, a, a little teeny Derringer shotgun in your purse or on your belt. Bond arms, see what they have to offer right now, whether you're a gun collector, first-time gun buyer, or you're somebody that wants something small, something concealable, and something deadly. Bond Arms. Do your homework. Do it now. Visit blazebond.com. That's blazebond.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Back program. Unbelievable. Welcome to the uh, program. Um, yesterday, 
Uh, Lawrence Jones, who uh, works for me in the Blaze, um, was asked to come to the family of the shooter's house and 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 talk to the family of the Dallas shooter. Uh, exclusive interview. The whole interview is going to run Wednesday, I believe, at 5 p.m. Stand by for more details, but it's going to run the whole thing Wednesday. Um, but you can get pieces of it now at The Blaze. It's the first time the family has spoken, and this is just a couple of things. More details are going to come out. Honestly, none of us have even watched the entire interview. It just happened late last night. Um, but some important things are coming out of this interview, and we'll see if the media catches any of them. Uh, we'll recap them tomorrow. And really good news on the Nazarene Fund, all on tomorrow's show. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.